Welcome to the Bermagui Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Here you'll find the recording of messages from our weekly gatherings. We pray you'll be challenged and encouraged by today's message. On and off over the last little while, we've, we've had Mother's Day and uh, people away and us away at different times. But we've been slowly working our way through the book of James. Um, so I thought today was actually a good day to sort of get back into it. And this section is a great one to get back into it because this section that we're going to look at, so if you've got your Bibles, open up to James chapter 2. Because this section is, you can almost say it's the flagship section of, 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 of the book of James. It's the section that most people sort of, anyone that studied Bible much, if you mention James, I'll probably think of this section because it's, a, it's the real challenge of faith that James sort of um, brings into it. And, um, and what is challenging is, you know, what does real faith look like? You know, we profess having faith, people sort of say, yeah, I believe in God, whatever. But is that actually faith? Is that actually what God's called us to do? And is that the expression of faith that God expects and God desires in us? And, you know, we're, we're living in an age where just words isn't enough. You know, we're, we're a generation now due to oversaturation of advertisements and false advertising and and hollow promises and broken promises, you know, whether you're thinking advertising and, and media and, and, and marketing or even political spheres, you know, we're sick of, you know, people making promises and then breaking them. There's, there's something within us that goes, no, let's, if people make a promise, they should keep it. There's, there's this innate thing and it's quite interesting, like this is a bit of a segue, but... Um, People studying the brain, they, they actually do, there is this growing field of study called bioethics where they, 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 they do, they, they've got proof now that into our actual biology, the way we're put together physically, there's an ethics written into that. And that's why things like broken promises and, and you know, hurting one another and things like that just, just feels wrong. It's actually written into our DNA. It's written into the, the way God's made us. I love that. But we're in a, we're in a, a, a time of society and a, and a generation where people are skeptical from the get-go. Our kids grow to be skeptical. They, 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 they grow to just go, oh, yeah, sure, that might be what TV says, but can I actually believe it? You know, we're flooded with so much information on the internet, for example, where you know, we, we can't just read for face value because the fact is there's, there's whole media uh, fields out there that their goal is to produce fake news and twist truth and just make stories for the fun of it. You can't just take things for face value anymore. Question everything. Question everything, yeah. But the fact is, like, not only is our words being questioned, but even our actions now. You know, we sort of say, you know, you, know, you can talk the talk, but can you walk the walk? But the fact is, even our actions get questions today because people dig back further. They go, but what are the motives to those actions? Why are you doing that? And so the only thing that really starts to really ring true for people is something that earns, or yeah, the one thing that earns credibility is, is genuineness, authenticity, and consistency. Once things start to display that, we start to go, okay, I can, I can actually put some trust in this. I can actually sort of take some value from this. But without those sorts of things, without it being genuine and, and authentic and just real and actually consistent, you know, not just here, there, and gone, gone the next day, that's when people start to pay attention. That's when people start to actually go, hang on, maybe I need to pay attention to this person. 
And it's no different when it comes to faith. No longer are we in a generation where we can stand on the soapbox on the, on the street and start to preach the word of God. Yeah, sure, that might catch people's ears and they go, oh, what's this guy talking about? But they're going to go, yeah, great, you're saying that, but prove it. Prove it. Show me this God you're talking about. And the only way we can really do that as believers, you know, the power of God is there. I 100% believe that. And the supernatural is there. You know, God, God can supernaturally step in and there's time and time again, even today, stories of people that do that where they are witnessing to someone publicly and they pray for them and something miraculous happens. God does still do that. But God also works through us and speaks through us. We're his body here on the earth, Yeah. As the church, as his people, we are the body. We are the hands and feet of Jesus. So God's going to work through us. And it's through the expression and the outworking of our faith. So our faith needs to tick those boxes. We need to profess and show a faith that is genuine, that is authentic, that is consistent. We need to be consistent in our faith, both in word, action and motive. So let's have a look at what James has got to say around this. So all I want to do first is just read through that whole section. So if you do have your Bibles, James chapter 2. I'm reading from New Living Translation, so it might be slightly different. I think some of the Bibles out there are NIV, but some of my um, notes are based on NIV as well. So they're fairly similar, but there might be some slight differences. I should have had this open ready. All right, James chapter 2, we're reading from verses 14 through the end. 14 to 26. So it says, What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing and you say goodbye and have a good day, stay warm and eat well. But then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. Now, someone may argue, some people have faith and others have good deeds. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. You say you have faith for you believe that there is one God. Good for you. Even the demons believe this and they tremble in terror. How foolish, how can you see that faith without good deeds, or can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? Don't you remember our ancestor Abraham, who was shown to be right with God by his actions when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see, his faith and his actions worked together. His actions made his faith complete. And so it happened, as the scriptures say, Abraham believed and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. He was even called the friend of God. So you see, we are shown to be right with God by what we do, not by faith alone. Rahab the prostitute is another example. She was shown to be right with God by her actions when she hid those messengers and sent them safely away by a different road. Just as the body is dead without breath, so also faith is dead without good works. Like this conflict that that James is addressing here, been there since the start of the church, really. This this tension between works and faith. And the fact is, you know, this passage has caused a lot of division in the church almost. 
because it almost feels like it's at conflict to other teachings in the Bible. Um, you know, particularly you know, teachings of, of Paul. You know, in Romans 3, 28, Paul says, you know, for we maintain that a person is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. So you know, one of the, the foundational theologies or doctrines, I guess, of the evangelical church, the, the, the Protestant church, is that we're saved by grace alone. And the fact is, you know, even Martin Luther, who was, you know, you could really sort of say the, the father of the Protestant church, you know, he was the one, one of the main voices that broke away from, from what was becoming the Catholic church. So if you, if you know your church history at all, you know, the church did become very, I guess, in that sense, Catholic, uh, and teaching that, you know, you had to fulfill these works, you had to fulfill these things. And it got to the point that the people, sadly, not God, but the people were abusing the church and using it to force people to give and force people to do these works to build their big cathedrals and, and you know, giving more money and more money and there was just greed and horribleness going on. And Martin Luther saw this and started to actually read the Bible for himself instead of just saying, following what the, the priests around him were teaching. And he realised, no, this is not what we're actually required to do. And so Martin Luther was this as I said, one of the forefathers that broke away. And so I said, no, this is, we're not saved by what we do. We're saved by grace and by grace alone. And he was so adamant and so strong on this that when he came to the book of James, he's actually recorded as saying, as, as, as a quote where he says, I will not have it in my Bible. <laughs> because he was so strong on this, no, it's by grace alone, by grace alone. This, this section here in James did cause confusion, did cause conflict in that sense. And I think we can give Martin Luther a bit of grace here because he was just so strong on it and he knew that he had to be to, to really get people to pay attention to him, to break away from what the main church was, was teaching at the time. But what we see when we actually look at those, those different teachings in context, they're actually complementive. They actually back each other up. Because when Paul spoke of works, he's referring to you know, the works of the law. And he's referring to, you know, that that's not what is actually produces salvation. That's not what produces and, and gives us relationship with Jesus Christ. Whereas what James is saying, when he's talking about these deeds and these, these good works, he's talking about them as the fruits. They're the, they're the result of our faith. When we actually do have genuine faith in Jesus Christ, the result, the outcome, the automatic outflow of that faith should be good deeds, should be good works. Now, Paul's hitting, hitting people pretty hard because they were trying to keep the law and thinking that the, it was the law that was going to save them. And so that's why Paul was you know, so adamant, so strong. No, it's by grace alone. No amount of doing the good deeds is going to get you into heaven. No amount of good deeds is going to get you the relationship you want with Jesus Christ. It might look good in the eyes of man, Yeah? But in the eyes of God, it doesn't count for anything. I don't have it here, but there's that reference where Jesus you know, tells that parable of you know, people that did all the great things. You know, we, Jesus, we, we cast out demons in your name. We did these great things. But then Jesus says, but I don't, I don't know you. Yeah, I don't know you. So even though they were doing good deeds, they were doing the good things, without that genuine faith and accepting that grace that Jesus has given us, we're still separate from him. 
So that's, that's what Paul's attacking. But what James is doing, he's sort of saying, no, he's, he's concerned about people that are just going, well, okay, well, I've done that. I've, I've said I believe in Jesus. Is that enough? And so he's sort of going, no, we've got to actually make sure we let this belief in Jesus and this, this submission and this surrender to Jesus is actually genuine. They're actually letting it change our lives and change who we are to the point that the fruit that our lives produce are these good works are actually lining up with what Scripture tells us that we should be doing. So where Luther missed it a little here, James wasn't addressing salvation by works. That's not what this passage is about. He's rather addressing the need for genuine faith, producing fruit in the form of good works. So this passage is an overview. You know, it's four little stories, you could say. In the first one, you know, talking about you know, just saying to a person, oh, you know, live well and be warm but they don't have any food or clothing and we don't do anything about it. You know? such, a, such a stark little contrasting story, isn't it? The next one, you know, that, that, that words alone don't cut it. You, know? you can't just say, yeah, I believe in God. The fact is the demons do that. Demons believe in God. Satan believes in God. But they tremble in terror at the fact. And then we get these two biblical examples of Abraham, his actions towards God, his, his obedience towards God. And then Rahab, just her actions in protecting the people of God. Another way we could look at those four stories is that, you know, two of them deal with our faith response to God. So, you know, our words alone don't cut it. We've actually got to surrender our lives. We've got to give our lives over to Jesus. You know, we can't, can't fall into that bucket of just going, yeah, I believe in God. And like Abraham, he was obedient to God. God said, no, I want you to do this. He was obedient and it was that step in faith, those actions but following that, <clears throat> those instructions, that was credited to him as faith. And the other two is our faith response to others. So like that first example, you know, <clears throat> you see someone that needs food and clothing, and you say, oh, live well, be well, and just leave it at that. Where's the faith in that? Where's, 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 the, where's the results of our faith and our, our sense of justice that comes from relationship with Jesus? And in Rahab's actions, you know, she, she saw a need and she saw a thing, oh, I really do think God's using these guys. I need to step in here and do something. And she protected these guys and, and got them away safely. So it's highlighting you know, that our faith is not only in, in response to God, but it's in response to each other. So the first one, yeah, a very practical example. And the fact is that faith should compel us to works of justice and servanthood. You know, for some of us, this probably comes quite naturally, depending on your makeup. Like I know for me, it's, it's just always been automatic. Ever since I was quite young to be able to sort of chip in and, and help out and, 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 and try to look for how I can help out others first. You know, through my schooling, it was something that sort of got identified and you know, God used that, I guess, in, to, to give me opportunities to, to, to work in roles of leadership and end up being school captain and things like that. Um, you know, even from a young age, Mum would always ask one of us kids, oh, yeah, can someone come help me do the shopping? And for whatever reason, the other kids just, oh, I don't want to. But I loved it. Not only was it some one-on-one time with mum, but I just loved this idea of being able to help her out that way. You know, for others of us, maybe it's not that automatic. Maybe, maybe that, that initial response just isn't there in your, in your makeup. Some people just have it, some people don't. But what I see in what James is saying here is he's using this stark story to sort of say, you know, like, come on, if there's something obvious, 
where you think you can help out, your faith should compel you to. And it may not necessarily be physical, practical things. You know, when you look at the gifts of the Spirit, they do different things. There's different roles in that. And when you look at our different makeups, our the character and the, the, the different, um, I guess, um, personality traits that we have and things like that, we see things and we, we see opportunities in different ways. But I think really what James is getting at here is, is you know, like, you know, we may not necessarily always be able to meet practical needs or physical needs. You know, me and Prudence are tearing our hair out at the moment because time and time again, almost every week, we're hearing stories of people struggling when it comes to housing and, and um, house availability and, and affordability. It's a massive issue, especially in our, in our local region. And it's going, God, how, how can we do something? We're, we're, we'd love to do something physical and practical. It's beyond our reach at the moment. But at the same time, if something comes up, then hopefully we're geared to just go, yeah, let's, let's do something. But at the same time, we're praying for it and we're supporting some people through that, that, that journey. But just by encouraging them, by saying, come on, you know, you're doing well, let's keep believing that that, that that right house is going to come up for you or whatever the scenario is. Don't see this as a judgment. Don't see it as you know, James was saying, oh, you know, if you don't meet people's needs, you're going to be thrown in the pit of hell. No, it's, it's not a judgment. He's still saying, but check yourself. What's your response? What's your faith compelling you to do when you see things around you? It might be as simple as just giving someone the time of day. You know, they're starting to open up and share. You know, they're down and out, having a tough time. And you might be going, oh, I actually need to go. But just giving them that extra five minutes to just, just hear them out. That alone might be an action enough to speak to that person. Action enough for you to see the fruits of your faith start to outwork in your life. You know, that second little story builds on the first, you know, highlighting that simply acknowledging God, that just in our words isn't going to cut it. And the fact is he, he contrasts so starkly that he says, you know, you know, even the demons do that. He's not saying that we're in the same predicament as the demons. Please understand that. But at the same time, there is a humble warning there. And I know all of us might know someone that's almost falls in that bracket where they, they feel that they've ticked the right box, but just say, oh, yeah, I believe in God. That's enough for me. We need to keep believing and keep praying for them that they actually get drawn into a relationship with Jesus. Because sadly, I don't think that cuts it. And it's not that they're automatically condemned or anything like that. But we're called to walk in relationship with Jesus. We're called to be disciples of Jesus. And that does take action. That does take steps of faith. So let's keep praying for those people. Let's keep believing that, you know, even in that simple statement, they actually go, oh, but what does that really mean? If I say I believe in Jesus, if I believe in God, do I actually know what that means? Challenge them. See what happens. And the last two, they start to bring some biblical examples, you know, and, you know, biblical writers love using the father of faith, you know, Abraham. But I love how scripture highlights that it wasn't the fact that God called him, you know, that's, that's incredible. You know, Abraham didn't know God at all. He was just in, in, in a land doing his thing. Then God's voice comes and says, hey, I need you to go, I want you to go to this land. The faith aspect wasn't that God called him. The faith aspect is that Abraham was obedient. That was the action. The action of obedience is huge. And the fact is, we all know, like, I'll, I'll be the first to sort of share a story about my kids 
and how frustrating and how obvious it is that obedience is in the action. My boys particularly, when it comes to those game console, we let them have their time on the Xbox. And we get to that moment where we say, all right, time to get off. They're like, yeah, we're getting off. Are you off yet? Yeah, we're off. Have you turned off the TV yet? Oh, yeah. And they're still just going. We will, we will, we will. We'll get there, we'll get there. It's like, no. You're obedient when you do it, kids. <laughs> it's not just in saying, yeah, I'll do it. Our words don't cut it, do they? It's in the action of actually following the instruction of following and being obedient to the, to the voice. Now, this, this point is simply pointing that faith is expressed in obedience to God, to his word, to his guidance via the Holy Spirit. Yeah. In contrast to that first one, you know, like, like, like we, we don't have to end world hunger. You know what I mean? Like, like, it's not like God's expecting us to, to change the world. All he wants us to do is be obedient. And being obedient might just be as simple as just living that quiet, peaceful life that we spoke about last week with Mother's Day. Of just being faithful in the small things, faithful in just that everyday life, being faithful to your friends and being that genuine person that just loves and shares hope, that doesn't speak down about things, that doesn't, you know, but whatever it is, you know, whether it's you know, just making sure that we are you know, doing our best to follow what the Word of God's telling us, but being sensitive to the Holy Spirit when those leadings and those guidings come, we just go with it. And this last point, I love how James loves his contrast, where he goes from Abraham, you know, the father of faith, to Rahab the prostitute. He, I, th- I think James, you know, <laughs> he loves his shock value. <laughs> And what I take from this is that, you know, like, you know, despite our brokenness, despite our failings, you know, God is desiring to use us. God is desiring to call us and lead us and guide us into acts of obedience, into acts of faith. And as I said before, it can be the simplest of things. It can just be simply helping someone out in some simple way. It can be giving someone the time of day to talk about their struggles. It could be encouraging someone who is down on, down on themselves. I believe that God is always leading and guiding us to acts of good works. He is. We've just got to be sensitive to it and we've got to let our faith just blossom in that way. That we go, yeah, okay, I believe in Jesus. I believe I've given my life to him. I love him. But how am I letting that outwork in my life? How am I letting that be expressed in the people around me? And the story of Rahab, it's such a simple little story and it was just so practical. These men were there, she realised they needed hiding and she would have to go back to read it in, 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 in um, the book of Joshua there. But she actually sort of felt, no, I believe God's using you guys to, 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 to take over this land. So I'm, I'm following that, that, that urge within me and being obedient to it. And so even though her life may not necessarily lined up with everything that Scripture was, was, was calling to at that time, she was stepping out in faith in the simple way that she could. And I believe God's just calling us to do exactly the same thing. He's not, he's not expecting us to get our lives picture perfect before we start to be useful. No. That, that idea is useless. And that's what James is highlighting, isn't he? Yeah? Faith just in words is useless. Like, what does it do? 
but just being obedient and being willing to just take a step, that's useful. God can use that. Amen? So church, I hope that's an encouragement. I hope it's a, you know, something that just makes you go, yeah, do I see that fruit in my life? Do I see that stirring, that when, when I see a need or I see a, an opportunity just to, to love on someone or share something, do, am I actually being obedient to those urges? Being, am I being obedient to the, the Spirit of God? Yeah, the Spirit of God is gentle. He's not going to force you. He's not going to push you into something. He leads us and says, hey, try this. Hey, how about you tell him about that, that story where, you, where, I, where I blessed you or I used you? And I tell you what, I, I think God celebrates every little thing, every little work. Because he sees it and he goes, yes, I can use that. That's useful. Yes, I can see that. So don't discredit the small stuff. Don't, don't think you're being useless. Let this be a challenge to go, no. As long as I'm just being obedient, as long as I'm just making the most of whatever opportunities present themselves to me, I'm being useful in the hands of God. Amen? Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you for this word. I thank you for all that you teach us in your word. And I ask, Lord God, that you do just help us be fruitful. Help us be useful in your hands. God, as we walk this walk of faith and as we, as we figure out what it means and, and what it looks like, Lord God, to be obedient to you and to be obedient to your word, and I pray, Lord God, that we see, Lord God, your hand at work, that we see your hand guiding us, Lord God, to, to correct our own lives and to bring holiness into our own lives, Lord God, but we also see your hand at work in, in bringing love and hope to the, to the people around us and the world around us. Lord God, I pray, Lord God, that you just continue to challenge us. Even in those small things, Lord God, that we see whatever it is, Lord God, that opportunity and we just go, yep, okay, now's my time. And I pray for your boldness and your courage to be in all of us to take those steps of faith. In Jesus' name, amen.